1: This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons. Patrons like Allie Price, Rufus T.D. Cat, Paul Polazzola, Carrie Evans, Kaylee Kawakami, Jerry Williams Jr., The Coast to Ghost Podcast, Marty Tamer of Beagles, Crystal Watts, The Smiths Plus One, Theodore Smitherton III, Zachary Kaiser, Megan Halfley, Ryan Ziesel, Michael Michael Samampong, Sarah Murphy, Spicy Underscore Net Sweat, Serenity Crossroads, Rusty Henry, Skiba, Nicole Williamson, Jacqueline Coughlin, A.A. Sprockets, Kim Rosenberry, B., Kevin Hayes, Zilas Nassad, Brick Goodson, Wacky Waving Inflatable Arm Flailing Tube Witch, Tommy Sharp, Alexandra, Anthony Sorrentino, Jacqueline Tessier. Haley Jane Conway, Marquise Morris, Lusty Chante, Lust Chante, Christopher G. Alec, and also, and a very special I'm sorry to one patron who reached out to me and requested I do her a simple request and read a different name, which I still managed to mess up two weeks in a row. So thank you to Katie Kazan. And from everyone here at Creepy, congratulations on your recent engagement. Our patrons make this show possible, so whether you decide to put in your own unique spin on a patron name or have a special request for your shout-out, I'm always happy to fulfill it. Sometimes I just mess up. I'd also like to say an additional belated thank you to everyone who took part in last month's patron promotion drive. I finally got the logistics sorted out and the additional rewards are being sent out this week. If you'd like to see how you can support this podcast and get things like your own personal shout-out, commercial-free episodes, accessed over 250 bonus episodes. Keep in mind, Creepy doesn't run on a seasonal basis. So if you sign up at the $5 level per month or higher, you get immediate access to our entire back catalog of bonus episodes. Not to mention the higher bonus levels like t-shirts, hoodies, and more. Just check out our reward tier at patreon.com creepypod. Now...
2: Listener discretion is advised.
1: Creepy Presents Urban Legends Part Two. Last week marked the start of our attempt to make up for lost time, and tell some classic urban legends from around the world. It's a departure from creepypastas, because a lot of these stories are short, simple ideas that spurred fear and questions. Some were just rumors, others chain letters. For those of you out there who remember chain letters. Few have dialogue or conversation, and motives are a rarity. These are the stories that planted seeds of dread around campfires, during sleepovers, or driving in your car listening to podcasts. And there are a lot more to go, so let's stop wasting time. First up, narrator Danielle Hewitt is going to tell us about a story you might not want to be around a mirror for, as we hear the origins of Bloody Mary.
3: She lived deep in the forest, in a tiny cottage, and sold herbal remedies for a living. Folks living in the town nearby called her Bloody Mary and said she was a witch. No one dared cross the old crone for fear that their cows would go dry, their food stores rot away before winter, their children take sick of fever, or any number of terrible things that an angry witch could do to her neighbors and their children. Then the little girls in the village began to disappear. One by one. No one could find out where they'd gone. Grief-stricken families searched the woods, the local buildings, and all the houses and barns. But there was no sign of the missing girls. A few brave souls even went to Bloody Mary's home in the woods to see if the witch had taken the girls but she denied any knowledge of the disappearances. Still, it was noted that her haggard appearance had changed. She looked younger, more attractive. The neighbors were suspicious, but they could find no proof that the witch had taken their young ones. Then came the night when the daughter of the miller rose from her bed and walked outside, following an enchanted sound no one else could hear. The miller's wife had a toothache and was sitting up in the kitchen treating the tooth with an herbal remedy when her daughter left the house. She screamed for her husband and followed the girl out the door. The miller came running in his nightshirt. Together, they tried to restrain the girl, but she kept breaking away from them and heading out of town. The desperate cries of the miller and his wife woke the neighbors. They came to assist the frantic couple. Suddenly, A sharp-eyed farmer gave a shout and pointed towards a strange light at the edge of the woods. A few townsmen followed him out into the field and saw Bloody Mary standing beside a large oak tree holding a magic wand that was pointed toward the miller's house. She was glowing with an unearthly light as she set her evil spell upon the miller's daughter. The townsmen grabbed their guns, their pitchforks, and ran toward the witch. When she heard the commotion, Bloody Mary broke off her spell and fled back into the woods. The farsighted farmer had loaded his gun with silver bullets in case the witch ever came after his daughter. Now he took aim and shot at her. The bullet hit Bloody Mary in the hip and she fell to the ground. The angry townsmen leapt upon her and carried her back into the field, where they built a huge bonfire and burned her at the stake. As she burned, Bloody Mary screamed a curse at the villagers. If anyone mentioned her name aloud before a mirror, she would send her spirit to revenge herself upon them for her terrible death. When she was dead, the villagers went to the house in the woods and found the unmarked graves of the little girls the evil witch had murdered. She'd use their blood to make her young again. From that day to this, Anyone foolish enough to chant Bloody Mary's name three times before a darkened mirror will summon the vengeful spirit of the witch. It is said she will tear their bodies to pieces and rip their souls from their mutilated bodies. The souls of these unfortunate ones will burn in torment as Bloody Mary was once burned, and they will forever be trapped in the mirror.
1: Remember when you were young, and those first times when you were left home alone? Maybe you had to convince your parents that you'd be okay. Maybe you were hesitant, worried something might happen. Up next, narrator Nate Dufour tells us why maybe that fear is there for a reason in... The Man in the Window.
4: Things have been tough for my mom and I ever since my dad left us two years ago. At least I was old enough to get myself to and from school and I knew my way around a microwave, but I wasn't old enough to get a job and the bills were piling up. My mom decided to get a second job, a night job, maybe part time and not something to brag about, but it would keep our heads above water. I remember the first night like it was yesterday, my mom apologizing up and down for having to leave me alone. I told her I'd be fine, and honestly, I was pretty excited. She wouldn't be home until late, and that meant I could stay up late. There was a monster movie marathon on, so who would complain? It was around 9.30, and I was right in the thick of some Japanese gore fest when I swore I heard something outside. Maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me. Maybe the movie got to me. Either way, I had to check it out. I hesitantly peered out of the living room window. Nothing to the left, then the right, then nothing. Then I noticed directly across the way a man standing in his window, just staring. I couldn't really tell what he was staring at, but it freaked me out anyway. I stood at the window for at least a minute, as long as my heart could bear it, and he didn't move. That was it for me that night. I was done with the monster flicks, done with the freaky dude in the window, and tried to fall asleep. The next morning, I told my mom about the man. First, she was upset I was up so late, and then she asked if I'd been watching scary movies. Needless to say, I got the, it was all in my imagination thing, and that was that. That night, after my mom left, I didn't feel comfortable alone. It was like that feeling of someone watching you, and just after nine again, I swear I heard something. It was just like the last, except there was no horror movie marathon. Against what my brain was screaming at me, I pulled myself again to the window. There he was. The man. Just staring out his window. This time, I darted away as quick as I could and ran to my room. It was so weird. It got the hair on my neck standing on end. The next morning, I told my mom, but she just brushed it off, saying he was probably just a nervous old man and it had nothing to do with me. I wasn't so sure, but what could I do? My mom left for work that night, even though I begged her to stay. I tried to take my mind off the man. I watched TV. I played music. I even did all my homework, but still, I wondered if he was out there, staring from his window at me or God knows what. My curiosity got the better of me, and I made my way to the window. My fear was realized in that moment because there he was, the man in the window, just staring. I tried to keep my presence a secret and see just how long he'd stand there. My heart felt like it was going to leap out of my chest, but I stayed there, at the window, in some sort of weird staring contest. Then it happened. He moved away from the window, and I breathed a sigh of relief. My mom was right. I was worried about nothing. Suddenly, his front door opened and my comfort changed to dread in an instant. I watched from my window, trying my best not to be seen, watching him walk down his driveway, then across the street, then up my driveway. I choked in fear and ran for the telephone. I dialed 911 and waited, my heart jackhammering a million miles an hour. Finally, an answer. I explained to the lady that I thought someone was trying to break in my house, and she said help would be on the way, and asked for my address. I managed to get out the first three numbers when I was grabbed from behind. I dropped the phone and felt these dirty, greasy hands wrap themselves around me. I screamed as loud as I could and shook myself, trying to break free, but I was lifted from the ground. I could feel the hot breath on my neck, smell the stale, rotten stench of my attacker. I couldn't help but start crying, screaming my lungs out for my mom, for anyone, for help. Then there was a thud, and I was falling with the man towards the floor. We hit, and his grip loosened. I rolled away and scrambled behind the couch. Then I heard a voice say, It's okay. You're safe now. I looked up, shaking and bewildered. There were two men one on the floor who wasn't moving, and another standing there with a baseball bat. You're okay, he said again. I'm your neighbor from across the way. My jaw dropped in confusion. I've noticed a strange man lurking around your house every night for the last few days and was concerned you might be in danger. I noticed your mom leaving and knew you were here all by yourself. The police arrived shortly afterwards. And between our two stories, the mysterious assailant was taken into custody. I thanked my neighbor as much as I could. And from that day, I always felt safer when I looked outside
5: and saw the man in the window across from me. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today.
1: As I mentioned during the introduction, a lot of urban legends start out as rumors and gossip, growing and spreading fear among a population before the days of Wikipedia or Google searches. So sit back and ignore that little itch you feel at the base of your neck, as narrator Alicia Atkins tells us about the viral tale called Ants in the Brain.
6: A little boy died because surgeons found ants in his brain. Apparently, this boy had fell asleep with some sweets in his mouth or some sweet stuff beside him. Ants soon got to him and some ants, in fact, crawled into his ear which somehow managed to go to his brain. When he woke up, he did not realize the ants had gone to his head. After that, he constantly complains about itchiness around his face. His mother brought him to see a doctor, but the doctor could not figure out what was wrong with him. He took an x-ray of the boy, and to his horror, he found a group of live ants in his skull. Since the ants were still alive, the doctor could not operate on them as the ants were constantly moving about. Eventually, the boy died. So please, be careful when leaving food stuff beside your bed or when eating in bed. This may attract ants. Most importantly, never eat a sweet before going to bed. You might fall asleep and suffer the same fate as that little boy.
1: It's important to get away, take a break from school, work, social obligations, or in my case, actively avoiding social obligations. Getting out of town and checking into a hotel is supposed to be an effort to leave your cares and concerns behind, unless you're like the couple in the next story, narrated by Collins Van Gordon, as they discover the body under the bed.
7: A man and woman went to Las Vegas for their honeymoon and checked into a suite at a hotel. When they got to their room, though, they both detected a very bad odor. The husband called down to the front desk and asked to speak to the manager. He explained that their room smelled very bad and they would like another suite. The manager apologized and told the man that they were all booked due to a convention. He offered to send them to a restaurant of their choice for lunch, compliments of the hotel, and he said that he was going to send a maid up to their room to clean and try to get rid of the bad odor. After a nice lunch, the couple went back to their room. But when they walked in, they could still both smell that horrible stench. Again, the husband called the front desk and told the manager that the room still smelled very bad. The manager told the man that they would try to find another suite at a different hotel. He called every hotel on the Strip, but every one was sold out due to the convention. The manager told the couple that they couldn't find them a room anywhere, but they would try to clean theirs once again. The couple wanted to see the sights and do a little gambling anyway, so they told the manager that they would give them two hours to clean, and then they'd be back. When the couple had left, the manager and all of the housekeeping staff went to the room to try to find out what was making it smell so bad. They searched the entire suite and found nothing, so the maids changed the sheets changed the towels, took down the curtains and put new ones up, cleaned the carpet, and cleaned the suite again using the strongest cleaning products they had. The couple came back two hours later to find the room still smelled. The husband was so angry at this point, he decided to find out whatever the smell was himself. So he started tearing the entire suite apart. As he pulled the top mattress off of the box spring of the bed, he found the dead body of a woman.
1: Man's best friend. How many stories have you read or videos have you seen about the love, compassion, and loyalty of pet dogs? Don't worry. I know we've had stories that involve terrible things happening to animals in the past. But this isn't exactly one of them. Narrator Victoria Wan is going to tell what the cause is for... The Choking Doberman.
8: My cousin and his wife lived in Sydney with this huge Doberman in a little apartment off Maroubra Road. One night they went out for dinner and a spot of clubbing. By the time they got home, it was late, and my cousin was more than a little drunk. They got in the door and were greeted by the dog choking to death in the lounge room. My cousin just fainted, but his wife rang the veterinarian, who was an old family friend of hers, and got her to agree to meet her at the surgery. The wife drives over and drops off the dog but decides that she'd better go home and get her hubby into bed. She gets home and finally slaps my cousin into consciousness, but he's still drunk. It takes her almost half an hour to get him up the stairs, and then the phone rings. She's tempted to just leave it, but decides that it must be important or they wouldn't be ringing that late at night. As soon as she picks up the phone, she hears the vet's voice screaming out. Thank God I got you in time! Leave the house! Now! No time to explain! Then the vet hangs up. Because she's such an old family friend, the wife trusts her, and so she starts getting the hubby down the stairs and out of the house. By the time they've made it all the way out, the police are outside. They rush up the front stairs, past the couple, and into the house. But my cousin's wife still doesn't have a clue what's going on. The vet shows up and says, Have they got him? Have they got him? Have they got who? says the wife starting to get really pissed off. Well, I found out what the dog was choking on. It was a human finger. Just then, the police drag out a dirty, stubbly man who was bleeding profusely from one hand. Hey, Sarge, one of them yells. We found him in the bedroom,
1: They say your wedding day is supposed to be the happiest day of your life. I'm not here to argue that point or offer alternatives, because I'm sure many of you have plenty. No. Instead, we'd like to present this cautionary tale that your wedding day should be enjoyed. But it shouldn't be a game. Next up, narrator Molly Lankford is going to tell us why in... The Missing Bride.
9: A young woman was about to get married, and she decided she wanted to hold the wedding in the backyard of the large farmhouse where she grew up. It was a beautiful wedding, and everything went perfectly. Afterwards, the guests played some casual party games, and someone suggested hide-and-seek so they could get the children to play, too. It wouldn't be hard to find a place to hide around the house. The groom was it, and the bride wanted to make sure that she won the game. When no one was looking, she slipped inside the house. She ran up to the attic, found an old trunk and hid in it. No one could find her. Her new husband wasn't worried, though. He figured she must have gotten tired and went inside to rest. So everyone went home. The groom looked around the house, but he couldn't find her anywhere. He and her parents filed a missing persons case, but she was never found. A few years later, when her mother died... The woman's father went to go through his late wife's things that were collecting dust in the attic. He came to an old chest. The lid was closed and the old lock was rusted over and holding it closed. He opened the lid and was terrified to see his daughter's decaying body in the chest. When she hid there, the lid had closed, and the rusty parts of the lock had latched together. Trapping her there.
1: There's some saying about the kindness of strangers. For the life of me, I can't remember what such a saying would involve or why anyone would take that advice to heart. Especially after having heard narrator Danielle Hewitt read the story of The Knife in the Briefcase.
3: I received this email from a friend. And since I care about all of you, I wanted to share it. It is just a reminder to be aware when you're out and about. There are a lot of creepy people in this world, I'm sad to say. A woman was shopping at the Tuttle Mall in Columbus. She came out to her car and saw she had a flat. She got her jack, spare, out of the trunk. A man in a business suit came up and started to help her. And When the tire had been replaced... He asked for a ride to his car on the opposite side of the mall. Feeling uncomfortable about doing this, she stalled for a while, but he kept pressing her. She finally asked why he was on this side of the mall if his car was on the other. He'd been talking to friends, he claimed. Still uncomfortable, she told him that she had just remembered something she had forgotten to pick up at the mall, and she left him and went back inside the mall. She reported the incident to mall security, and they went out to her car. The man was nowhere in sight. Opening her trunk, she discovered a briefcase the man had set inside her trunk while helping her with the tire. Inside was a rope and butcher knife. When she took the tire to be fixed, the mechanic informed her that there was nothing wrong with her tire, that it was flat because the air had been let out. The moral of this story? Learn to change your own tire. Call someone you know and trust to help you or call mall security in the first place to assist you. Please be safe and not sorry. Although this happened in Columbus, it could happen anywhere there are nuts around. Just a warning to always be alert. Pass this along to every woman you have access to. Never let your guard down. Good story for women to know about. Although with the nuts in today's world, everyone needs to be careful, not just women.
1: The thing about urban legends is that people can rarely agree on just one version or just one account. And this is definitely the case with our last story today. So if you know another version or think there's another version we should check out, please let us know. But for now, we'll stick with our friends at creepypasta.wikia.com. As narrator Heather Thomas tells us, The Legend of the Jersey Devil.
10: Most tellers of The Legend of the Jersey Devil trace the devil back to Deborah Smith, who emigrated from England in the 1700s to marry a Mr. Leeds. The Leeds family lived in the area of the New Jersey Pine Barrens, Leeds Point, Galloway Township, Atlantic County. Mrs. Leeds had given birth to 12 children and was about to give birth to her 13th. The story goes that Mrs. Leeds invoked the devil during a very difficult and painful labor, and that when the baby was born, it either immediately or very soon afterwards, depending on the version of the story, grew into a full-grown devil and escaped from the house. Another version of the story says it was when Mrs. Leeds found out she was pregnant with her 13th that she said if she were to have one more child, may it be the devil. Another version is that the child devil was the result of a family curse. Another version is that Mrs. Leeds, who was a Quaker, had refused to be converted from the Quaker faith and that the clergyman who had been trying to convert her was so angry that he told her that her next child would be an offspring of Satan. Another version is the child was born a monster and that Mrs. Leeds cared for the child until her death. In this version, the child devil flew off into the swamps after Mrs. Leeds' death. People in the 1700s still believed in witchcraft, and many people of the period felt a deformed child was a child of the devil, or that the deformity was a sign that the child had been cursed by God. It may be that, indeed, Mrs. Leeds gave birth to a child with a birth defect, and given the superstitions of the period, the legend of the Jersey Devil was born. In any event, there do not seem to be any subsequent reported encounters with the Jersey Devil in which he or it actually harmed anyone. In the last two hundred years or so, there have been a number of sightings and the hearing of eerie noises and wails in the forests, which have been attributed to the Jersey Devil, but since these accounts are, in the main, generic descriptions, one is somewhat drawn to the conclusion that any number of weird things in southern Jersey are attributed to the Jersey Devil as a matter of course. Over the years, the Jersey Devil has been called by a number of names, Hoodle-Doodle-Bird, Wazzlebug, and the Leeds Devil. This is all not to say that the people do not believe in the Jersey Devil. Many over the years have believed and reported sightings of the creature. Sightings included one in 1870 by a Long Beach fisherman who said he saw the Jersey Devil serenading a mermaid. The best-known sightings, however, were in January 1909 when Councilman E. P. Whedon of Trenton claimed to have been awoken by flapping wings outside his bedroom window. The councilman said he found cloven footprints in the snow and several other instances of similar footprints were reported in Trenton at the time. Hundreds, if not thousands, of other people also claimed to have seen the devil within a week or so of the councilman's sighting, and news of the multiple sightings were reported in local papers. The January 1909 sightings were not limited to New Jersey. There were reported sightings across the river in Pennsylvania, and some sightings in Delaware as well. In 1978, two teenage boys were ice skating near Chatsworth in the Barrens, and smelled an odor like dead fish and saw two red eyes staring at them. They didn't stay around to investigate, but claimed they had encountered the Jersey Devil. A number of people have claimed not to have seen the Devil, but to have heard him rampaging through the woods or emitting blood-curdling cries. People have found strange tracks and attributed them to the Jersey Devil. One instance of such tracks was reported, along with loud shrieks, near May's Landing in 1960. Also in 1960, merchants in Camden offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the Jersey Devil. They said they would build a private zoo to display the creature if anyone could capture it. The reward is unclaimed.
1: That's the end of Urban Legends for this week. We still have one more week of Urban Legends coming, so if you haven't heard your favorite, there's still time. And even then, feel free to reach out to us on social media or creepypod at gmail.com for requests for future stories. We'd be happy to do more Urban Legends in the future. So until next week, stay creepy.